delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. G'day everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on my podcast house.com or on the Radio Share Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. A big show coming up, and we discuss the end of an era in a couple of ways. It's the end of an era for the Generation motor car that we have over here in Supercars at the moment. It's the end of an era for Holden in their final race here on Australian shores. And it's the end of an era for Lee Holdsworth. Mark Walker and Richard Crowell to help me talk about the Holden car and also this weekend in Adelaide. What a big weekend it's going to be. And Mark Walker also joining me to catch up with Lee Holdsworth, who races in his final two races, races 508 and 509 of a great career. We'll catch up with Lee in just one sec, right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Mark Walker joins me for our interview off the top. Hello, Mark. How are you? G'day, Tony Shebecki. Big, big week. Uh, I think we thought it would never happen again, but it's Adelaide 500 week. Who would have thought uh, a change of government brings in a change of race meetings? And uh, one guy that's looking forward to heading there, I think he's looking forward to heading there, for his 508th and 509th race start in supercars after 18 years of driving in the main game. There's going to be probably around about 250 to 300,000 people come along to see Lee Holdsworth final race meeting and he joins us now to have a chat about that hello lee how are you i'm good i'm good i'm not sure that they're all coming to see me i'm positive they are mate (laughs) thanks mate um no look it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a great weekend really looking forward to it and um yeah capping hopefully capping off a long career in the sport on a high i actually have a feeling this is deja vu didn't we do this two years ago talk to you Uh, in the last race meeting this yeah, this has happened way too many times. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back <laughs> to this time, this time I'm actually well, this time I'm actually happy that it's yeah, like I'm satisfied. Um, whereas last time I was uh, well, the last two times I've been quite bitter. So um, I've bounced back a couple of times, but this time I don't think I'm bouncing back. And I've been able to actually call it myself. So um, yeah, pretty special. Um, and uh, and and I'm gonna really enjoy it. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had some great times in this sport throughout the time and, um, some of them being at Adelaide track. So, yeah. um, had a fair few podiums there and really enjoyed my time there. And it's a cracker event to finish the calendar with. Um, and I've got plenty of friends and some family coming across. So I want to put on a good show. Lee, how do you summarize your 22, season with Grove Racing? Uh, oh, challenging. It's been a challenging year. Um, I mean, it's never ideal to sign a 12-month contract, uh, but, you know, I always knew that was the case when I signed with Groves and I was happy to take 12 months and they were also, you know, that was that was all they had anyway on the table. So, um, you know, their plan was to put Matt Payne in. Um, I was basically filling a, you know, keeping a seat warm um, uh, this year for Matt. So, um, I realised, you know, what I was there for. and um, But, yeah, it's been a little bit of a struggle with the car. I just haven't gelled with it. Um, you know, it's, it's qualifying has been a massive issue and that's been very frustrating. I can't get the car in the window that I want it. Um, 
for the races, it's not so bad. And I've, I've probably passed more cars this year um, in this season than I have in any other season in my career, um, which has been fun. But um, it also says that you're starting too far back. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I, when I look at it as a whole and, and how I was approaching this year before it began was that, you know, I was here to help the team develop, um, help, help push Dave um, and, and get the team to a point where, you know, to, to, you know, also to, to help them in the team's championship and um, keep the car straight as much as possible, not give them any extra work and, leave them in a position where they're ready to take another step going into the Gen 3 car. And I, I feel like I've, I've been quite successful with that. I don't think I asked you this question at the start of the year when we spoke about you coming back, but when the opportunity was put to you, was it an opportunity that you just jumped at straight away or was it something you actually went back and thought about in regards to the 12 months, in regards of all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it was. I certainly didn't jump on it straight away. Um, I was excited by the opportunity, but my head had nearly moved on from supercars being a year out on the sidelines. I pushed very hard uh, for probably eight, nine months of, of last year, trying to get back in. And just when I thought that um, I'd exhausted all options, I actually, you know, the phone started ringing from, uh, from Stephen and Brenton. And, um, and that's, you know, when my ears pricked up a little bit, uh, Bathurst was was huge, um, but my plan was to be full time in this other job, in in this commercial real estate job. So um, my headspace was very much in that, and, and that was where I was heading. Um, mm. So um, yeah, it was a bit of a left fielder for me at that point, and um, and I, I certainly had to really assess whether it was something that I wanted to do because. As I said before, 12 months is not ideal in back in the sport, in a, in a new team, a new environment. Um, it takes a long time to gel with a team and gel with a car and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I think a two-year deal, every, every time you go into the second year in a team, you tend to make quite a big jump. Um, so in some ways, it's, you know, it's a bit disappointing. But, yeah, it, to answer your question, I, I, I didn't jump at it. Um, I really had to think about whether it was something I wanted to do and, um, I also knew that I well felt that I wasn't coming into this team to be, you know, winning championships either. Um, with that, you know, they they needed that development phase, uh, and that was I suppose I've spent a lot of my career in in teams in their development phase, and um, and somewhat you know in some ways that's been to my detriment. But um, I've also enjoyed that that side of it as well. You mentioned Matt Payne and. You paired with him at Bathurst and coming into the weekend, we sort of wondered what are we going to see from Lee Holdsworth this weekend? And we got to fight up Lee Holdsworth and you guys were absolutely on. You put on a great show and wound up with sixth. How do you rate Matt's weekend? And have you had much to do with him this season with his super two program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had plenty, plenty to do with Matt this year. He's, uh, I feel like the amount he's matured this year from the start of the year to now has been huge, you know, and, and probably at the start of the year, I was feeling like he really um, had to, you know, find his feet in the sport and, um, and find some consistency, keep out of trouble. Uh, and I think the, the racing he's been doing overseas has really helped him find that, um, 
you know, that skill that he, that he needed, that, that head space that he needed to um, survive a whole race. And um, yeah, he's, we all knew, we all know that he's quick, um, but, but staying out of trouble, you know, being quick is one thing and then staying out of trouble is another. He seemed to be uh, finding trouble at the start of the year and, and throughout the year, he's just pulled, uh, he, he's really pulled himself together. And, and that show that he put on at Bathurst, um, was impressive, you know, for a young guy to mm. not make a mistake all weekend um, and still have very good pace. Uh, and he, you know, he was out there with with the main series drivers at one point and held his ground. Um, I think it just shows. I think it. I think it'll give him a a new level of confidence to, you know, approach 2023, um, knowing that you know he'll be able to mix it with with the best of them and. Um, and and I think that Grove Racing will be in a position to uh, to fight for much better positions next year as well. So that puts him in a pretty good position um, to start his career in in a team that's you know on the rise and um, and I think probably not too far away from being one of the one of the teams that'll challenge for the title over the next you know probably three to five years. You've had some interesting teammates over the time. How does Dave Reynolds fare? <laughs> he's different to any other teammate I've had by <laughs> by a long shot, but he's um he's such a legend. You know, we we get on so well. Uh, we've had a lot of fun this year together. Um, he's he's done a, an amazing job. I think he's he's uh, he he's not making any mistakes. He's fast. Um, he's sort of. I, I feel like he's got that much confidence now. Like I know that he's going to have a good weekend coming up at Adelaide. Um, he's just on 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 target for uh, yeah for podiums every weekend, and um, it's been quite impressive to watch. Um, I think you know he's, but he's been he's a he's a pretty quirky guy as as we all know. He's he's on this diet at the moment, or he has been for the last twelve months, where he only eats steak, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, <laughs> so he doesn't even put any veggies with it. It's just steak and, and a little bit of butter on top. Um, so he's got his uh, he's got his idiosyncrasies, but um, yeah, he's he's been awesome. And I, yeah, he's in, he's in a really good spot right now with his headspace and um, really looking forward to how to how 2023 shapes up for him with the Gen three. Shabex, that actually sounds like a bit of us. I reckon steak diet. I didn't know that that was an option, but well, apparently. You know. Like most people are losing like five or six kilo in the first week. Right. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can afford there to do that. <laughs> so, it doesn't sound bad, does it? No, no, I'm, no. I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> moving on to this weekend, what, what do we expect from Adelaide? Obviously the tracks had a big repave and a revamp and moving to the end of the year, the weather probably won't be as horrendous as it can be in March. Like we've had some absolute red hot weekends there at Adelaide, but it uh, looks like it might be a decent sort of weekend. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good, a great weekend. Um, you know, Dave and I are both hoping that it's not too hot because our cars were ridiculously hot up in Gold Coast. Um, I think we saw 63 degrees cabin temp in my car at one stage. So um, I don't want it too hot. It's it's better to have it at the end of the year in Adelaide than at the start by the looks of it. So I think it's um, it's high 20s. So it's probably perfect, perfect sort of temperature for the crowd. Um, for us, it won't be too bad in the cars, but you know, being a concrete jungle again um, and resurfaced, it's actually, you know, it, we, we don't really know 
what we're in for. Um, tracks can change. When, when, when you resurface a track, it changes the balance quite a bit. And, uh, and generally, you know, the cars are loose on entry. Um, when you get offline, there's no grip. Uh, but the track's fast when you get it right. So um, I think you'll see a lot of mistakes in the first part of the weekend. Um, but, you know, like always, this track is pretty entertaining. There's heaps of passes. Um, turn eight is always the big talking point. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a huge event, um, plenty of crowd, um, and you know the championship's been uh, sewn up by Van Gisbergen, so he'll be he'll be playing for keeps without a worry in the world. And um, and you know I think there's still a few uh, little championship battles to play out. So I reckon there'll be a few people that have already checked out, given we've had just a bit a big break just then and. People are probably off on their Christmas holidays already, so I'm hoping to take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you just never know what may happen. Uh, of course, it's the end of uh, a generation, an end of an era for supercars after the two races in Adelaide, and we move to Gen 3 next year. Have you had much involvement with the development at Grove? Has, has there been much uh, of a look of what we could expect? Well, not there's not much information flowing through at this stage. So we're, um, we don't really, you know, Dave and I got to drive the cars down in Simmons Plains earlier in the year. And I think they, they, they seem to be living up to everything that we wanted of the gen three, where they slide around a lot. They, um, you know, you've got to manage the tire, the tire a lot more than you, than you've got to currently do. Um, so yeah, but I think they'll refine them from there, and once the teams get on get their hands on them, I think they'll be even uh, you know probably probably even better to drive once we get the setups right and all that sort of stuff. But you know, at the moment, um, <laughs> everyone's got a a chassis sitting in yeah. their garage, and that's and it, not really touching it. So there's just too much work to do for the teams at the moment to to actually get underway with it. So it's going to be a massive push for everyone to get them ready for the start of next year. And then we roll out, well, when I say we, supercars roll out in, um, uh, is it February, when we when they go to Newcastle. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just wonder whether everyone's going to have all the spares that they'll need because that's a pretty crazy place to, to have your first round. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I, I think the best thing about the Gen 3 will be uh, the mix-up that we see every time a new generation car comes out, especially at the start of the season, where people roll out, you know, different teams roll out on the mark and then others, you know, knock so close to the mark and then get better through the year. So, yeah, you know that the best teams are always going to end up at the front, but sometimes that not, that's not how they roll out of the garage, you know, at the start of the year. So it's going to be a good mix-up at the start of next year. I'm looking forward to seeing that. One last one from Melee. Um, you mentioned end of the era, end of the Holden era as well. Uh, it's a, a mark that you had a fair bit of success with, even at Adelaide back in the Gary Rogers days, like you had a, a swag of podium finishes there. That's It's going to be a tinge of sadness come Sunday Arvo when the last of the Holdens pulls into the garage. Yeah, it definitely will. And I was talking about this with Dave the other day. He was saying you know, probably the, the saddest thing is that, um, you know, all those flags that we're used to the blue and red flags flying around the track um they represent two brands and um 
uh, I was sort of asking the question, where do those red flags go? Because, you know, Ford, Ford keep theirs, the blue flags stay around, but, um, but what does the Camaro become? What's, what's the colors? I don't actually even, I'm not sure, but um, so, you know, I think that, that, that red and blue rivalry uh, will die. Um, and I think that's the saddest thing. I think we've had a fair bit of time to now digest uh, Holden's, um, you know, uh, leaving the sport and, and have certainly left the country um, in the manufacturing world. So, uh, you know, the passion probably isn't there anymore for, for, the, for the red flags, but um, there's certainly plenty of Holden fans that would like somewhere to go and Camaro is the, is this the perfect place for them to step into? Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a bit sad. I had, as you said, I spent a lot of my career with Holden um, and had plenty of success with them. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's an iconic brand that um, that sort of just goes disappearing and um, into the memory bank. Uh, so I think that last, you know, everyone wants to claim all the Holden teams want to claim that last win. Hurrah! And um, there'll be plenty for them to play out over the weekend. Two final ones from me. One, you mentioned earlier that this time around, you saying goodbye is totally different because it's your decision and it's not the decision of somebody else. How How is it different? What, what makes it different? Oh, I think, you know, before I felt like I had a lot more to give in the sport and I still had a lot of that, uh, that burning desire to, to succeed in the sport. I still, you know, I, if, if I had a, a deal for next year, um, if I had a decided to go again, I would, I would make sure that that burning desire was still there. But um, I think I'm ready to, to step out now and, and uh, you know, progress with a, another career. I've been involved in this sport for a long time. So um, I, I sort of feel... I think last year really capped it off for me with, with that Bathurst win where, um, you know, sometimes sitting on the sidelines for the whole year and then getting back into one of the best cars um, for, for a round or two rounds can be better than doing a whole season. Mm. And, um, you, you know, and, and if I can do that and come back with an opportunity to win for two races a year uh, and, and, you know, um, sometimes I think that's better than than doing the whole season. So I'm sort of at peace with with that decision that I've made, um, and, uh, and and I really, you know, my my big uh, the the one of the main aims of of coming back was to you know I was really pleased that I got asked back by Grove Racing because it was my chance to finish um, on the terms that I wanted. Uh, and, and, you know, I've never really thought, I guess last year made me think about what I want to do with my life. And, and now I feel like I've, I've figured that out. I've discovered that. Um, and I, I certainly don't want to just be hanging out in the dry again, like, like what happened at the end of 2020. So, um, I set myself up for the future and, uh, and, and I've made sure that I've enjoyed this year and, um, and I'm certainly, you know, and put myself in a position where I'm ready to call it a day at the end of this year and, and, you know, finish on a high and say goodbye to all the fans there at Adelaide and, and, you know, the other rounds that we've just recently had. Um, and that's been pretty special. So I'm, I'm lapping it up and really enjoying that side of it. Good on you, mate. And you totally deserve it. And the final one is what does 2023 hold? 
Have you signed anything? Have there been offers for the your uh, co-drives? Uh, I have signed something, but um, can't tell I, me. I can't. I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> um, so I think I think we'll be I'll be making an announcement shortly. Um, yeah, I'm excited by the opportunity, and um, I, I can't wait to get it out get it out in the open. TCR, anything like that, possibly? Uh, look, I, I don't think I'm going to commit to any series full time. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to have a little bit of a dabble in other uh, other categories just here and there. Um, I've got to give some more time back to my family. I've, you know, they've sacrificed a lot for me to yeah. be involved in the sport for so long. The kids have got sport every weekend. So I want to be there for them um, and give back to Alana as well. So I, I don't want to commit to too much. Um, yeah, I, I'd really like to do a couple of rounds in TA2, maybe some stuff with my brother. Nice. Uh, I think that'd be a bit of fun. And then... Um, yeah, I might do a couple of guest drives here and there. Uh, but, you know, you need to keep sharp for these Enduros and make sure um, you give the team that you're with the, the best opportunity um, to you know for them to win the race. All right, mate. On behalf of us, uh, we thank you so much for everything you've done with us over the last few years, mate, of this podcast. It's been really great to have you on board. We look Thanks, forward buddy. to keeping that association over the, uh, the future. But we'll uh, be in touch and, and just check up on how things are going. Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Cheers, Shebex. Good on Mark. you, Lee. Lee. Lee Holdsworth, all the best in Adelaide this weekend right Thanks, here bro. on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, joining us, Mark, for the second half of the show. He's been a busy man, of course, the Mayor of Adelaide. Of course, why wouldn't he be busy this week? Richard Quayle, hello, Quasi. No, Mayor. Uh, I... Um... I defer to our Lord and Saviour, Peter Malinowskis, the Premier, (laughs) who has in eight months uh, resurrected from the ashes of despair uh, the joy of the greatest street circuit in the world and the largest domestic motorsport event in Australia. And we're all very much looking forward to the Velo Adelaide 500 this weekend. And uh, I'm very proud to be, uh, be involved with it. I've got to tell you, we had an election in Victoria on the weekend, but none of them had a major motorsport platform no. that, as a basis for what no. they were trying to put See, forward to the electorate. Well, it might have been a much nicer affair over there if they did. Mm. Yeah, Matthew, guys should have gone with uh, giving $50 million to Calder or something. Well, look, absolutely. If he said, oh, we're going to bring an IndyCar race to call the park on the Thunderdome, then, oh, mate, geez. into the landslide. <laughs> landslide. They just, they're just not forward thinkers. No. Guys. Correct. Peter Malinakis obviously is. Well, Mal- yeah, but the problem is that Malinakis is the opposition to your opposition over there. So he couldn't be seen to be pinching ideas that work, could he? No, that's that's true. the problem. It's a very good point. Uh, big atmosphere over there at the moment. Lots yeah, of views. It, it's, been a, it's been a massive week in motorsport, actually, because on the weekend we had the Australian Superbikes up at the Bend and they got a supercar-sized crowd yeah. to that, by all reports, which was tremendous, um, where the finally played ball, which is great. And then uh, we also had the Adelaide Rally running for four days from Thursday through Sunday, and that culminated at Victoria Park, and they yeah. had something like 12,000 people rock up. <laughs> so there's um, there's a thirst for it uh, here at the moment, and I think this is absolutely the right time of year to be doing it as well. So it's it's already validated the date switch for mine before we've even turned a lap in anger. And um, the Adelaide Rally is locked in for a couple more years with some government support um, to run the week before the Adelaide 500, which is great. 
motorsport festivals locked in to run the week before the Australian Grand Prix, which is great. So, yeah, there's a huge amount of momentum and a lot of positivity here. And, and now we've just got to get cars on track on Thursday and uh, it'll be like uh, the last two years never existed. So how did that work on the weekend at the rally when they had the Formula One cars blatting around the mini circuit there? Well, it's just like a, it was a demonstration, basically, yeah. just to sort of wet the mouth for Bay this week and be for the motorsport festival in, in March next year. But it, it also served as the final stage of the rally. So the, the cars will regroup there, pounded around the, the short, short circuit, and then that was their final stage. And then they then they gave out the trophies. So it was a, a cool way to, to end it in a, in a stadium thing. And they've announced they're going to do a city stage of the rally next year. Nice. Uh, and and I if I don't know where they plan to do it, but if I was a betting man, that that Victoria Park would be the most obvious place to run it. Mm. So whether it's on the short short Adelaide circuit, whether it's on a hybrid different kind of layout, who knows? Um, but it would make the most sense because the grandstands are there. Um, several of the Adelaide car dealers, Zagami, who are the the Ferrari and McLaren dealer over there, booked out the Centre Chicane corporate a week before the Adelaide 500, and apparently that was pumping right into Sunday night. So there's clearly a demand for it to be a thing, um, and and it's sort of going to evolve into a bit of a speed week over here, really, where you've got something going on from the Wednesday prior to the week before the Adelaide 500 with the rally, then all the way through to the end of the 500 the, uh, the Sunday after. So many different things to celebrate uh, this weekend as well, end of eras. As such, the, uh, the the current car finishes in Adelaide this weekend. Lee Holdsworth, who we just spoke to, finishes this weekend. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a massive weekend for so many reasons. Yeah, it is. And it, and it probably uh, takes some of the narrative in that it's an absolute dead rubber championship out of it. So it, at least it gives us some storylines, doesn't it, to talk about and, and a few different angles. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this uh, during the week. What, what, how do we reflect on this era of the supercar? Not, not the, the series, but the, this actual car. Cause I don't, I don't think we fare well at overly fondly. I mean, it's been competent. It probably blighted by the parody dramas in yeah. 18, 19, I, I suppose, but it, it strikes me that there's, much more people happy to be done with this era than there are people going, oh, gee, these cars were great. Let's keep them around. Yeah, people are going to be sad that Holden's going for the last time in top flight motorsport. And also, I guess, Ford fans will be very sad to see the wonky roofline of that Mustang depart us as well. It's been the era of dominance, hasn't it? I mean, mm. I wonder what the sport would have been like had McLaughlin and Van Gisbergen not been around and absolutely smoked everyone for the past five years would it have been mm. someone else yeah or or would would mclaughlin in today's djr car be have competitive as he was in in the Penske 18, 19, 20. Yeah. I, like that that's the, we just don't know that's yeah. that's the problem um but yeah you're right it, it's been an era um with very few raw championship showdowns and, and that first Newcastle has obviously been the best championship showdown of the last decade, if not more. But that was with the Falcon. But out exactly, but outside of that, it hasn't been a it hasn't been a particularly um amazing year for or amazing era for championship showdowns. No, it's uh, been an interesting era for manufacturers. We've had multiple manufacturers racing in the series, such as uh, sort of even had Mercedes there at one stage, didn't we? But definitely 
with Nissan as well. So, yeah, it's been an interesting one. Yeah, look, the the manufacturer thing with Gen 2 um, was great. and But, yeah, again, it, it comes back to, with with all the respect in the world to the Kellys, what would Nissan have done had Triple Eight been running that program? Um, and probably same argument for Mercedes AMG, which was also always a bit of a half-baked thing with, with Erebus anyway. Yeah. There was never, the factory actively was campaigning against that being a thing. The, the, the one I think that delivered the most fruit was Volvo from a, both from a competitive standpoint in elevating a team that was always okay and would win a race here or there and would succeed every now and then and would be top seven or eight in the championship every year in that it elevated a team in GRM to be outright contenders with a gun driver, but it also did wonders for the brand. Mm. And and Volvo's never been as popular in this place as it was for those couple of years that Scotty was ragging the wheels off off that S60. So um, that, that, I think, was probably the most successful of all of them. I don't think it was necessarily a triple eight engineering thing could have fixed that Nissan or done a better job with that Nissan as a race car as a was presented. The problem that Nissan had is that they were the first in and they didn't want to rock the boat. They wanted mm. to do everything by the books. They didn't want to go out there and smoke everyone because then they'd be knocked back in a in the shape real quickly sort of thing. So they went in there and did everything that they were told. Yes, okay, we'll run the end plates on our wings. We'll run the stock block engine from a Nissan Patrol. We'll do all these things that you say that we have to do. By the time Volvo rolled in, the thing was an absolute sports sedan and, and had a race car engine in it. Like yeah. if Nissan were the third manufacturer in and all the liberties kept being taken by that stage, the Nissan would have been as fast a rocket as the Volvos. But we never, they, we never, they, they we never find out. out. The, they, they were lucked out by being the first to commit, which was their, their downfall in the end, which is a shame. And it was a shame that the Nissan Ultima was a dud anyway, and they didn't sell any. And, Nissan stopped selling cars and just sold SUVs. Well, I still saw more Nissan Altimas in a supercar race than I ever saw on the road. Like, oh, just, 100%. <laughs> they were never a thing. I still would have liked to have seen another team run them because we've seen, even now, that there are some Mustangs on the grid that aren't that good and there are some Mustangs that are really good. So You look I, at I, Super 2 and how the Altimas go there. <laughs> exactly. So I, I would have loved to have seen, yeah, a team with proven running credentials regular winning credentials have a shot at it but you know that's that's just the way it goes that's that's the history of the sport but they they had a good impact and and broader than supercars nissan did great things with the gdr and, and things like that at the 12 hour so hard to complain but yeah it's it's just been a strange era and um the but i think more so gen 2.2 you know following introduction of the mustang and then the zb commodore that's probably been the little anomaly i, I think 2014 through 2019 were were pretty good years for supercars mm. to be fair. Um, but then, yeah, maybe things just went a little bit too extreme with the, with the Shonky Mustang and a ZB Commodore that um, was there for a brand that was clearly on the way out and had no bearing on what was being sold on the road regardless. Whereas you could still kind of link a VF SSV to a supercar because it's got a V8 and it was rear wheel drive. Yeah. Hmm. What do we look forward to this weekend, boys, in Adelaide? Oh, where do you start? Uh, weather is going to be yeah. spectacular. So Excellent. mid to high 20s, Thursday, Friday, low 30s, Saturday, Ooh. Sunday. 
So you're still going to get the, the driver braking conditions inside the car, which is great as it should be. Um, I'm really looking forward to new track surface, which is going to completely transform that place. She was a bumpy old joint by 2020. Remember, this is a racetrack that hadn't been resurfaced since the Grand Prix came to town. So um, it was it was a pretty old surface. So going to new rubber on 80% of that circuit is going to be a, a significant change to what people are used to. Uh, and I'm uh, hopefully that throws a few um, cats amongst the pigeons in terms of the leaderboard this weekend. Maybe it can it can shake things up and we can see some different results. Um, uh, but I'm just looking forward to that event just being being there and happening because the roller coaster that South Australians have been through for the last eighteen months with it has been pretty remarkable. And you really only get the full scope of it living here um, because it did take up so much of the news cycle in this part of the world. Um, I think being there on Saturday for the first race is going to be great with the full grandstand and the place pumping. That's going to be a pretty special moment, I think. And sort of needed a bit of a reset, didn't it? Because it was getting a bit tired. The old management had sort of, they weren't treating it the way that it should have been treated and it's being treated this weekend. You look at the concert lineups each night, they're fantastic. You look at all the effort that's going into all the side shows and everything that's happening around the event, it feels like it's really reinvigorated. I think it's going to have a bit of that, you know, the the missing year there. It's going to get everyone back tracks. I look, we saw it at the Grand Prix this year and we're going to see it at the Grand Prix next year. Did you see the tickets went on sale for the Grand Prix and they sold out in record time? Yeah. yeah. I had people mm-hmm. sending me shots that there were 16,000 people ahead of them in queues to buy the tickets. Mm. That's yep. ridiculous. So people don't mind going out to some big events and I think they're going to show it this weekend. Yeah, but you got to remember, like we Gold Coast was a longer break mm. because we never got a Gold Coast in 2020. Newcastle is going to be an even longer break again yeah. uh, to start next year. So we've actually, we only lost one Adelaide 500. We only lost the 2021 race. So it's pretty remarkable in a way when the roller coaster that it's been on for the last two years, being a political football, that we've only actually, in the history of it, when when Noonan gets us to write another version of the book in 10 years' time, we're actually only going to skip one year, really. But you're right, the moving it to November was absolutely critical. And there were those in South Australia um, that knew the sport that had been saying that for a long time. And running where it was in March slash February, it was jammed in the middle of the festival and the fringe and it, and it was becoming lost. But the other point was that um, the previous government got rid of the independent South Australian motorsport board. It was folded into tourism SA where it became just another thing for them to manage. And it was a thing that probably didn't have a particularly good balance sheet either. So you look at it on your resources and go, hang on, we're spending $20 million and we're not making it all back. How come? Whereas to put events on like this, you have to be much more pragmatic than that. It can't just be a bottom line because there's so many more benefits around it that we're already seeing in the fact that they're expecting like 15,000 interstate visitors for the event this week. That's where your value is. Mm. Um, I was chatting to some people uh, a couple of weeks ago that um, were coming over for the Adelaide 500. And I was talking to them, this was at uh, the Bathurst International. And they were like, we're coming over to Adelaide. I was like, oh, cool, awesome. What are you going to... Are you going to stay? Are you going to have a look around? It's like, yep, we're, we're going to get over on the Wednesday and go straight into the event. After that, we're staying. We're going to go to the Barossa for a day. We're going to go down to McLaren Valley for, um, McLaren Vale for a day. 
We might pop out to the Bend and have a look at the museum. We'll go to National Motor Racing Museum. We'll do all the things that have been recommended via TRT. Mm. Uh, and then they're staying for the test match, which starts on Thursday. Oh. So they're going to go and do a couple of days of the cricket, which is one of those bucket list Australian sporting events, the Adelaide Twilight Test. So they're spending basically 11 days in South Australia. They'll probably drop three, four, five grand each. And there's mm. a group of four of them. So... I thought that was that's exactly what these events do, and that's that's the tangible stuff that um, when you look at your balance sheet for the event, you can't document. But when you spread that money around the state, that's where the value is in drawing these people in. So that's that's why these events are so powerful, and that's why moving it to this part of the year will be a boon because it's it's a time where not a huge amount normally happens over here. So I think it's a massive advantage for it for sure. Yeah. Right. I used to love it as a motorsport punter going across the event because being in that mad march, you'd finish at the racetrack for the day and you'd go over to the garden of unearthly delights in the park across the way and catch some comedy shows and some music shows and all that. That was great for us, but the car racing got lost in that conversation. Like I remember distinctly walking back to my hotel one night, just following a a couple of people uh, who were having a chat. And it's like, oh, did you hear that there's something on? Yeah, I think there's a NASCAR race on over the road. What? Whatever the messaging was around the car racing, it sort of got lost to the masses a bit. Even the fringe stuff, though, like we all did that Yeah. once. Like, but but even in the later years, we'd all just go to the track work and then go back to the hotel or have dinner nah, or whatever. And Nah. I didn't. We only went one year. Shebex and I went and tore up in Victoria Square one night. That was good fun. Oh, yeah, that was a good night. Yeah, it was. Oh, it I, was. I would go. I would go nearly every year that I was there. Yeah, but it was one or two I, shows. It it needed to move. It had to move. Yeah, so you can go. You can go to that event anyway. Yeah, 100%. so um, no, it, it is one hundred percent the best time slot for it, and it's got heritage. The Grand Prix was run in November for the ten years, eleven years that it raced in Adelaide. So it, it's people still associate that they still talk about it so the date has got providence for sure no looking no doubt about it svg smoke them this weekend again yep oh it'd be totally likely yeah it's got a good livery i don't mind that the the holden celebration livery i I like the white that makes everything pop doesn't it it's a bit less cluttered yeah don't mind it by the time you're listening to this dear listener you probably will have seen the walkinshaw andretti united one which comes out at two o'clock on wednesday moments after we go live so we haven't seen that yet so they're doing a tribute one which um we understand flushes back to a heritage livery of their of their holden past i'll be disappointed if it's not the original uh the original uh, hrt line the black line on the rear flanks of the car predominantly white again um that original hrt first livery that they had if it's not something along those lines i'll be disappointed but anyway by the time you're listening to this they will probably already have it out so uh you'll know supports this weekend we've got the aussie racing cars gts decent field of gts 20 something a little over 20 cars in the gts s5000s tcms super twos decent and 30 aussie cars Mm. as well which are always an adelaide staple uh yeah so to work through those good gt field a uh, couple of good drivers in that as well with uh young chris mace coming back he's always fun and kelvin vanderlinder too uh to drive with tony bates in his car which is going to be spectacular so uh vdl is a very very fast young bloke so looking forward to seeing that 
S5000, uh, despite the fact that the uh, Motorsport Australia slash FIA track safety thing um, mean they have to run them turned down, I don't think that's actually going to hurt their lap times that much. Um, if anything, it's actually going to make them more tractable through the, the twisty stuff and, and better low down because they won't have quite so much raw tyre shredding horsepower that those cars have got. So I'm pretty confident the lap record which uh, friend of the show Simon Hodge currently holds. I think that will get dusted. And then uh, IndyCar style push to pass in place for this weekend as well with 90 seconds per race of activation. So that worked quite well on the streets of the Gold Coast. So they've got, this will actually mean they can use it more than they could rather than six applications in a race. And then TCM, the story there is championship up for grabs and um, barring a huge misfortune, Ryan Hansford, in a really good position to claim it. And uh, there are a few people in the world that would begrudge a Hansford a title, I would have thought, in this sport. He's a ripper bloke, Ryan. He's got such great racing heritage and uh, he drives the wheels off that Tirana, which is so ably run by Brett Peters, who's another super super bloke and very smart motor racing operator. So that's going to be a cool story to see um, John Bow and he go head-to-head. And, of course, Stephen Johnson, who's in great form in that for Mustang as well. So TCM promises to be really entertaining. No doubt it does. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. It's going to be a great weekend in Adelaide. Anything else uh, we need to cover off on? Daniel Ricardo to Red Bull. We haven't spoken about that. Uh, I think no one. No one cares? No, not really. <laughs> it's been I, done. I, I can't stress that he's a third driver and he's not driving. That yeah. Good headline. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Internet. Yeah. We'll get to do we'll get to do a fair bit of uh, promotional work. I would have thought though that's going to take up most of his time. Well, I think the whole idea is that he doesn't have to do any of that stuff, so he can oh, rock really? up to the Grand Prix. You can rock up to the Grand Prix he wants to rock up to. Um, spend a lot of time in the sim, maybe do a test day here or there, and tire testing and things like that to work out if he can still drive, and then. If Checo Perez gets sick, uh, he'll roll in and probably go and win a Grand Prix. So um, there is hope, though, isn't there? Like, Nico Hockenberg spent three years out of the sport. There's hope that Perez is going to get sick. Well, <laughs> I should have put a... There needed to be a full stop between those two sentences. I apologise. Um, but, you know, Hockenberg spent three three seasons out of the sport, and now he's back as a full-time driver. So um, it's not it's not without the realms of possibility. So very true, very true. Like Anything it. from the states, Richard? Uh, sorry, Mark. Oh no, still no, still no, hard no. Dad, talk to me in February. All right, I will. I promise. Uh, let's head off to our Doric Hots and Knots for the weekend. Power rankings. Uh, you can start, Mark, because I actually haven't come up with any yet. So I need can to we just can we just do a blanket <laughs> hot being the Adelaide Five Hundred being back this weekend? I think we all agree that that's the major hot, isn't it? Yeah, well, that was that was where I was leaning. It was going to be yeah. the vibe around just having this event back. And the way it's been embraced uh, would be my hot for the week. Right. Well, I'll go with a hot. Um, back in the day, Formula Vs, it used to be the category where you'd go to the toilet or the canteen and you'd just check out. It was Formula Vs. Who cared? But it is absolutely the best motorsport on the planet at Phillip Island at the mm. moment, their racing on the weekend was once again ridiculous. So the first race, the uh, top five were covered by less than three tenths, top four by seven one hundredths, and the top two were covered by point zero 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 five. What's that? 
five ten thousand. Five ten thousand. Wow, yeah. so that's yep. nothing. So uh, John Casamati won that race. And the next race they rolled up, and the top four were covered by less than three tenths, and the final margin there was six one hundred. So it was ridiculous. Like that was pretty wide open affair. And I'm we, gonna go yeah. give a hot to Blendline TV. Uh, for their coverage on the weekend. Uh, I had to sit at home and watch it, which I didn't enjoy, but uh, the coverage was was outstanding and a hot as well to young Thomas Sargent, who I think is a superstar in the making and uh, really pleased to see him uh, claim that championship. And Ryan Wood, who's such a fast young bloke, I'm really looking forward to seeing and calling his racing in Career Cup next year. A really, really special, talented two drivers there in Sprint Challenge this year. And I think they... Uh, they did an outstanding job all season long, so well done to them. Yep. Cool. And, and I suppose also, got to give a hot to the um, Geelong Sprint, so I'll, I'll bang out an op-ed about it, but it is just, it is the perfect little showcase for motorsport there because it's this event that's been going for 66 years down the foreshore at Geelong. It runs from the beach up into the heart of town. And the thing with it is it's free admission. So everyone in town just filters down there, even if you're not a motorsport fan and you're seeing it for the first time, uh, you get to experience this great showcase. They've got all these wonderful sideshows and everything else that are going on with it. But the cars that they put on were cars and bikes. It was bikes and sidecars and every type of car. It was from road cars to drag cars to racing cars. Um, Nick McBride won in a Porsche Taycan. Like, and, and that was just as cool as anything else. Like You see this drag car absolutely smoking up and the fans are all about it. And then you've got this Porsche out there that smokes everything and it makes no sound. So it was a really good cross-section of what motorsport is and will be in the future. And um, I think that was a really cool thing that they've got going on there that sort of can be replicated absolutely anywhere because not many motorsport events are free to get into, let alone a really good show like that. So that's a hot for mine. And yet outside the TRT, you would have no idea it's on. And that's, uh, that's the one downfall of it. If it was a bit promoted, they would absolutely get a lot more motorsport people there to join all the all the locals. But anyway. Good hot. Uh, knots. Anyway, uh, can I give you a knot that's not motor racing related? Oh, oh, here we go. We've been down this road before. 36 holes of golf in one day. Oh, that's silly. Well, it's a life choice. Well, you're, you're knotting your own life choice there. I, don't, I understand that, but it's the first time I've ever done it. And mm. I'm not sure I can ever do it again. Well, they, these are your life joy. I'm amazed you played golf on the River Murray and you didn't drown. It's extraordinary. No, no. Well, the drown. Forget the drowning. I didn't get encephalitis. There's 37 million mosquitoes up there. Mm. My lord, how bad was that? Well, don't go close to a river when it's in flood. <laughs> these are all life decisions one makes. Uh, no, nice. Uh, I, I, there was one other hot I did want to throw in, which is prescription medication. Uh, outstanding. <laughs> it's amazing what it can do. Um, my knot. Now, it's a knot that can never be fixed. I get it. It's a knot that is uh, absolutely necessary to keep racing at this place. But I'm going to not Phillip Island's time constraints. Uh, and the, the hard nine to five curfew that that circuit operates at. And as a side knot, and I completely understand that none of this can be fixed. As a side knot, promoters that schedule probably one too many categories for a day's worth of racing. Yep. Uh, so there's no buffer time. Uh, I would rather 
go to Phillip Island and have one less category and probably 10 minutes buffer time between races. So you end up with an hour of flexibility throughout the day to get all the racing in or more of the racing in than have categories jammed on top of each other, playing catch up all day, and you still get three lap, four lap races and ultimately races lost. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. I get that because the more categories you have on, the better financial model it is for the event. I understand that completely. I understand that you cannot change the curfew at Phillip Island, otherwise we can't go racing there. I get that. I get all of it. I'm still knotting it though. So that is... That's a a hot knot. Uh, On similar lines, taking off from where you are there, fence repairs, that's a hard knot for mine. Uh, At Phillip Island, you know, they've got two high arm coats hand down, which is pretty bad, but Earthfield tie banks at Phillip Island. Uh, I thought we figured out in the nineties that that was a silly idea, but here we are in 2022 and we're still banging into them and causing messes, which is absolutely rubbish. And I, I tell you how that cramped my Saturday. This is a peek behind the curtain of how I operate at these race meetings with my three-year-old child. We go around and watch car racing in the morning. We play, we have fun. I fill him up with chicken nuggets he then falls asleep. And then I get an hour to myself where I can take photos for the racetalk.com. Except on Saturday, when the fence repeatedly got tore up in my hour of freedom, I got mm. exactly two racing laps. Yeah. Gutted. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. gutted. Um, and aside not for mine, we talked last week about calendars being a bit rubbish. So now that the supercars calendar is out, I thought I'd go ahead and fill up all the uh, dates on my Google sheet for next year. And, you know, we already had the the clash at Sandown with supercars and the speed series fighting over the same date, but then we've got the Motorsport Australia trophy series. Sydney Motorsport Park is the same weekend as the Darwin weekend, which uh, I don't think is going to work out. Provisionally. Well, it's, okay. Fix it. Provisionally. Great. Uh, then we've got uh, the speed series round Victoria to be confirmed May 26, 28, which is the same weekend as the Phillip Island Victorian State Championships and the date that they've announced there. So I feel sorry for the officials if they wind up being at Winton and Phillip Island the same weekend. And I feel sorry for Mark if I have to be in two places at the same time. And also feel sorry for the Vic State Sandown Round, which is the same date as the Calder AASA State Championship Round at Calder. So Calder and Sandown the same weekend. Yay. Well done, team. We've really excelled ourselves there. So uh, congratulations to anyone who has put together a calendar for 2023. Mm. Sarcastic knots. I like them. It's hard. There was sarcasm in that It's hard, but it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Richard, you have an amazing weekend over there in Adelaide this weekend. It's going to be great. Forward to hearing about it all next week. It's going to be ginormous. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. No, looking forward to it. Going to be great. Fantastic. Be Enjoy there. it. Mark, you have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. Sure. And I will have a great weekend at the baseball this weekend. Hope you have a great weekend as well. And thanks for joining us right here on the grid.